Hello everybody, um, good evening. This week is Parashas Taldais, and this is going to be our final installment on the Halachas of Sneas. This is our eighth uh, shear on this topic. And uh, today we're going to discuss the very contemporary issue of lace top, lace front shetels, and general Sneas as it pertains to shetels. There is uh, a general issue regarding Sneas, which pertains to shetels, but in truth, it, it really is, it's, it's, it's a rule regarding all aspects of Sneas. And the issue is that it's possible to stay within the framework of halacha scrupulously, and which is obviously, that's wonderful, right? And it's admirable. But still, even when doing so, a person will not necessarily achieve true sneas. And this is when the nature of the clothing being worn, the style, is eye-catching or provocative. And this is something extremely subjective, right? It can't be there can't be a hard and fast rule about this because the hard and fast rules we know that's what halacha tells us it's a you know the defined halachas are being kept the skirt length the sleeve length the neckline etc all that's being kept but a person can still present as not quite being that sneistic depending on the message the clothing sends the choice and the nature of the clothing and interestingly and i find this fascinating that in the source material, when we look in Psukim and in Tanakh and Gemaris, this is actually given a lot more importance than anything else. Uh, the other sources, you know, regarding the neckline and the, 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 the elbows and all that, uh, we have to struggle a little bit to find and define exactly what the Torah requires. It's there, you know, as we've been demonstrating over the past couple of weeks, but it's a, it's a job. This concept is the one thing that's very openly talked about. Um, this is a very you know, well-known pasuk in Yeshaya. The pasuk says, The daughters of Tzion were hori, and they would walk with their necks upright. In other words, they would walk in a very uh, upright position. They would look around, peer around, motion with their eyes. They would walk with delicate steps. They would stomp with their feet. And the Gemara Masaf Shabbos explains that each one of these things that the Pasuk is referring to and rebuking um, the daughters of Tzian is about not being Tzanua in the way they walked, not being Tzanua in the makeup that they wore, not being Tzanua in the, the perfume that they wore. And it had the effect of being provocative or flirtatious. And there was no outright violation of any halacha of tzniyus. It's not, there's no halacha of tzniyus about these things. It's a subjective thing. The, the effect of it was provocative. The effect of it was flirtatious. And the Navi was rebuking them because of that. The Gemara Masechtas Brachis tells the story of Rav Yehuda, the Amayra Rav Yehuda, who saw a woman who he thought was Jewish, and he saw her wearing a red clothing, Gemara uh, doesn't explain exactly, but it was something provocatively red, and he rebuked her publicly and embarrassed her, and then he realized she's not Jewish. When he realized she's not Jewish, he paid her for the embarrassment. So it means he, he embarrassed her significantly enough, 
that once he realized he's not Jewish, he actually had to pay her for the embarrassment that he caused her. And the Gemara cites this as, you know, a demonstration of the mysterious nefesh of Rabbi Yehuda, that he was willing to stand up for, you know, the, the importance of, of Yiddish ideals. And look, this is not something which is a halacha. There's no halacha about what color clothing you can wear. It's not defined anywhere in Hilchas Tinius. It's not in Hilchas Kriyashma, uh, in the halachas of where you can make a bracha about what clothing, color clothing you can wear. It's a very subjective thing. Nevertheless, it was something which was flirtatious, it was provocative, it wasn't accepted at the time, and therefore he made an issue out of it. And again, like I said, it's something you, this is an issue you find in the Gemara which is made much more an issue than other things, because perhaps since it's so subjective, it's so important to realize that it's in everybody's own hands to understand and to define for themselves what's tsanua and what's not tsanua. However, and I find this just such a fascinating contrast, uh, we had two weeks ago in Parshas Vayera, after Avimelech um, kidnaps Sarah and he's forced to return her, he, uh, he, said, he gives Avram Avinu a thousand silver coins. And the Pasik says, Well, Sarah Amar, he told Sarah, I've given a thousand silver coins to your brother. This will be an eye covering for you. It'll uh, be clothing for the eyes. So the Medrash says, what does that mean, that he gave her clothing for the eyes? The Medrash says he actually gave her a set of clothes. He gave her beautiful garments, and Rabbi Yechanan says, for what purpose? So that people will look at the clothing and not look at her. He wanted to prevent this from happening again, that she should get snatched. So he gave her beautiful clothing. And we see that the Torah wants you to wear beautiful clothing, and it's a function of tznius to wear beautiful clothing, because wearing beautiful clothing actually distracts people's attention from looking at what they shouldn't look at. And that is, I think, very, that, that describes the fine line that every Jewish woman um, treads, that there is a very fine line, the Torah wants you to look beautiful, the Torah doesn't want you to look shabby, and on the contrary, through sneers can be achieved through beautiful clothing, provided that the point of the beautiful clothing is actually to distract people from looking at what they shouldn't look at, and rather uh, it brings attention to just the, you know, the, the person dressed regally, a person dressed with malchus, that's another language the Medrash uses to describe these clothing. Whereas if a person does utilize the clothing, even if that's not their express intention, but if the effect the clothing has is uh, to be provocative or it attracts people's attention, it draws their attention to where they shouldn't be looking, then that is a problem which, on the contrary, the Gemara makes a very big issue about. So that's, that's a very fine line in Tzniyas, and that's the, that's the final step, in the, really, in these halachas, that after all the halachas that we learn, there's something which is not a halacha. It's a very much a halacha, but it's not a defined halacha, and it's subjective, and it's in the, the eyes, the hands, and the hearts of every Jewish woman to determine for themselves, if they, are they dressing finely, are they stepping out of the world of, of modest dress? And ultimately, if a person cares about Tzniyas, then they, they know what's certainly okay, and they usually know what's certainly beyond the pale, and then they also know there's a gray area, and in the gray area, it's hard to determine what's okay and what's not okay. And as with many things in halacha, the best idea is then to seek an objective opinion, to try to find someone else who can help you decide whether this is okay and this is not okay. Is this sneeze or this is not sneeze? And when coming to shetels, it's very relevant as well. Uh, besides the laced, which we're going to talk about in a moment, but part of that discussion 
and it has, this also has to do with length of shaitals and this has to do with style of shaitals and all that, is the same question. Even if they don't violate any particular halacha of sneeze, as we're going to talk about, it could be there's no actual halacha that it's a problem, but that doesn't mean it's necessarily sneezing. Sneeze is determined, as we're saying, by a whole different set of halachas, which is then in every person's pocket to decide whether this is okay or not okay. If it's too eye-catching, if it's too... Um, provocative, if it's unusual, if it draws a lot of attention, then that in and of itself is a problem. But that's something which every person has the right and needs to make that decision on their own. And uh, again, it can be, if it's, it is very eye-catching, it can be equivalent to wearing something bright red. So that's, that's a decision that every person has to think about when choosing what kind of shaitl to buy. So now let's discuss the actual strict halacha of, uh, of lace tap and, and lace front shaitals. The prevailing question is whether it is a problem because it seems so much like your own hair, right? That's the question with these shaitals, that it's very, very uh, hard to discern whether you're wearing a shaitl or you're not wearing a shaitl. Um, now, the truth is that once these shaitals become commonplace, then this question will probably become moot because at that point everybody will be able to recognize it, you'll become used to it, and, and perhaps everybody will know, okay, right away that the person's wearing a shaitl, it's a lace type shaitl. That's likely what will happen. And when that happens, then a lot of the issues that we're going to talk about won't be issues anymore. But we're not holding quite there yet. Uh, certainly not in every community. Maybe there are some communities that are there, I don't know. But many communities, there's not, it's not like that. And um, I was, uh, a little while ago, I was by Sheva Brachas and I was speaking to two women who were wearing lace tap shaitals, but I didn't know that they were wearing lace tap shaitals, and I was very surprised. I, was, I, I, I knew they covered their hair, um, and I asked uh, my daughter, and I said, are they covering their hair? And she said she was wondering too, and she asked them, and they, they felt very complimented that their shaitals were so good that they, they couldn't tell that they were, um, that, that, that they, they, they were shaitals. So it is clearly something which even women can be uh, fooled by, at this point, they can still be deceived to think, to have, to wonder if the person's covering their hair or not. So the question is, is that a problem? Okay, you know, the question is, um, is that a halachic problem? Again, we're not going to talk about the previous issue, which I, which I mentioned is going to be an issue. But the, this issue, is it a halachic problem? Does the shaitl have to necessarily con- convey that it's not your hair? Is that a requirement that people should know it's not your hair? So now, there is a, there's two halachic ways to approach this. Number one, there's a question of hayisim nikiyim. Hayisim nikiyim means, it's maris ayin commonly referred to, meaning to say that there is a, an iser, a person is not allowed to draw suspicion upon themselves, which means they can't make people think that they're doing an avera. And that's a, that's a real issue. It's a real iser, and as many, many different areas of halacha have whole simanam of shulchan devoted to just avoiding this problem. You can't have people thinking you're doing an avera. And it's a chil Hashem if people think you're not covering your hair when really you are. And, but Ramesha Feinstein's Zatzal addresses this, nothing to do with lace tap shaitals, with regular shaitals, before, in, at a point in the 1960s, when even that wasn't so prevalent to wear a shaitl, and people maybe didn't even know that a person was wearing a shaitl. So he was asked by a Rav about his wife, should they not wear a shaitl for this reason, because of Marasayin. And Ramesha says for a number of reasons that it's not a problem. One reason he holds essentially it's not a problem when it comes to shaitals. The whole marasayin he holds is not a problem. That's a, it's a little bit of a technical halachic detail, why he holds it doesn't apply to shaitals. But secondly, he says that most women will know that it's a shaital, Even if you don't know, it doesn't make a difference as long as a woman can tell. And 
Um, likely, he says that if the woman is a God-fearing woman, she's a Yerei Shemayim, no one will be chayshed her, everybody will assume, no one will suspect she's not wearing a shaitl, everybody will assume that she's wearing a shaitl. And uh, he even advised his own son, Reb Ruben Feinstein Zetzal, to, uh, not Zetzal, I'm sorry, Havdol uh, Ben Chaim his uh, who, who's uh, Reb Ruben Feinstein, he would, he would, he, he, his wife wasn't wearing a shaitl originally, and Reb Moshe said, no, she can wear a shaitl, and, and he said, interestingly, uh, that it's in her hands to make that decision. It's up to her, and she has to make that call. You don't get involved, which, as we're saying, these, when it's a, not a halachic issue, it's, a, it's the next step of tzniyas, which is you have to determine for yourself what is the nature of this clothing, that's very much up to every woman. And so Ramosha very much said that marasayin is not a problem. Now, admittedly, some of the things he brings up are perhaps somewhat of a question here, like, like, do will all women know that it's not a problem, uh, that it's not, a, that, that it is a shaitl? Maybe that's not so, not the case. So, you know, we could wonder about that. Also, if you live in a community where not everybody covers, covers their hair, you are a little bit more liable to mar- marasayin, where people might think you're not covering your hair, you know, so that, that is also something to keep in mind. But nevertheless, the first thing Ramesha says there is that if for a technical reason he holds the whole concept of marasayin doesn't apply to shaitals, that's certainly true. So marasayin does not seem to be a big concern over here uh, as far as the halachic aspect of marasayim. Now, the other issue is, is perhaps the shaitl has to demonstrate that it's not your hair. So, Mr. Brura brings down an interesting machlaikas. Can you use your own hair as a shaitl? Can you cut off your own hair and then use it for a shaitl? So, it's a machlaikas. Some paiskim held you're not allowed to. And other paiskim said, yes, you can use your own hair for a shaitl. And the machlaikas ostensibly is this question. When you use your own hair for a shaitl, it very much looks like your own hair, right? It is your own hair. Uh, and it's hard to tell that it's a shaitl. And those paiskim held it's a problem. The other paiskim, which happened to be the halacha, we paskim that way, you could use your own hair as a shaitl, don't seem to be concerned about the fact that we can't tell that it's your own hair or it's not your own hair. That doesn't seem to bother them. Why? Because that's not the obligation. The obligation of a shaitl is not to demonstrate that it's not your own hair. The obligation of a shaitl is just to cover your hair, and your hair is covered. That's sufficient. And this is the way we pass on the halacha. That's what Mishabur says. So from a strict halachic perspective, I think it's a very difficult argument to say that it's usr to wear a lace top or a lace front shaitl. Number one, um, your maris ayin is weak. It's, it's probably not applicable at all. And for the most part, people do know. Most part, probably people will assume you're wearing a shaitl. Number one. Number two, um, from the fact that you can't tell that you don't have to be able to tell as long as your hair is covered is fine. There's no obligation that your shaitl should convey that it's not your own hair. So that's I think from a strict halacha perspective. Now I'm aware of the fact that that old rabbanim hold like this. You know clearly this has been a big uh, tumult about this and uh, you know discussion in Lakewood and signs and etc. I'm following the opinion over here of my rabbi Rabbi Shlomo Miller, who's Rishkel in Toronto, is one of the Gedele Adar. This was his opinion, and I, I'm following that. It's I. Person, that's what I understand also, is just my understanding in halacha, that that's, that should be with halacha. It's not, not only him, there's many other rabbanim that, that feel like that as well. However, the first concern that I raised very much must be taken into account, and, and it's of no less importance, or perhaps even greater importance than sneez, which is that it's true that a lace-top shaitl might not go beyond any particular guidelines of sneeze, like we say, you know, you can wear clothing that covers your elbows, is the correct neckline, goes the right length, but yet it can be very provocative, bright red clothing, which is, violates sneeze from another 
standpoint. So if wearing a lace front or lace top shetel will have the effect of drawing a lot of attention and people will you know, be looking, are, are you wearing a shetel, are you not wearing a shetel, and it'll draw a lot of attention to a person, that itself is a, a very, very important concern to take into, into mind where you might be walking out of the boundaries of Sneas for a very different reason, and that's in every person's hands to make that call and make that decision and understand, you know, is this okay for me or is this not okay for me? Is this the way a Ben Tyra dresses a bass, uh, you know, a bass of Rambis Yaakov, or, or this is not? And that, that's, that's a very important question to think about. So this concludes our series on the, the halachas of Tzniyas. We began with the Torah prohibition of uh, making brachas and davening in front of someone who's not dressed properly, and then we went into the halachas of actual Tzniyas, uh, dealing with the neckline, we talked about length of sleeves, we talked about length of skirt, we spoke about the need to wear a skirt versus pants or leggings, we talked about tight, tightness of clothing, of slits, of revealing undergarments, the need to cover one legs with sacks or stockings. We also dedicated three shurim to the topic of covering here. First, about the obligation to cover you here at home and at street, chumra of uh, of of um, kimchis, and the, diff- the difference between types of shaitals and how much of your has to be covered. This is all the things we've covered. And all of these shurim are reco- recorded. They're available on my podcast. And in addition, I also transcribed all of these shurim and I made them into one document, uh, which if you can email me. I'll be happy to share with you. And it has all these halachas um, listed out. I'll combine all the shurim into one document. And uh, if there are any questions about Sneas, um, please reach out. I'm very happy to discuss them. Um, and uh, we also am I'm considering setting up perhaps a Google Doc so people can just submit questions anonymously and then I can dedicate a share to answering all those questions. So stay tuned. We'll send out some more information about that. Um, in the course of these shurim, I've addressed Sneas as I would have addressed any other halachic topic. Uh, whether we're talking about a milk spoon that went into a meat pot or how to make tea on Shabbos or any area of halacha, uh, there are always a number of opinions, and we attempt always to try to find the halacha. And I pr- approach Sni is no different than I approach those. We always first try to find the sources, find the sources in the Gemara, find the sources in halacha, see what the source material is. Does it have a source? Does it not? Um, then we try to identify the mainstream opinions. And this is a very important point. Mainstream means uh, a point, opinions of accepted authoritative Paiskim figures. Um, not every person who writes a Sefer, not every Sefer out there is necessarily an authority. authority. There are authorities in Halacha, people that were accepted as Gedele Hadar and Gedele HaPaiskim. So you first identify the mainstream opinions, and then you try to identify the majority opinion. You know, who is the majority and what is everybody saying? What, are the, what is the minority opinion? And sometimes you can't necessarily figure out what the majority is. Uh, then you either are stringent, uh, depending on the nature of the halacha, or you try to identify a minic, a custom, what people are doing. So those are all the, the, the path that I took when trying to ascertain every aspect of these halachas, and it's the way you approach every, every area of halacha. This is no different. But this topic is more than a halachic topic. Obviously, it is an extremely cha- charged and emotional topic, and it gets to the heart of how a person views themselves and what their identity is, and it affects comfort, it affects self-image. And it's, a, it's by definition a struggle that every person has. Uh, and it always has been. In Lithuania, for example, pre-World War II, there was a tremendous struggle about wearing shetels at all. And the most religious and firmest families, even wives of Rabbanim or Rosh Hashiva, sometimes didn't wear a shetel. It was just one of those things. It was a struggle there. Um, Baruch Hashem, that doesn't, not the case anymore in America. But other things are struggles, and perhaps even greater struggles than, than that. So 
Uh, halacha is seemingly black and white, but its application isn't necessarily black and white. Uh, not everybody, uh, you know, halachas of Lashon Hara are pretty black and white, but that doesn't mean everybody keeps them. Uh, halacha, what's true, truth and false, uh, Geneva's Das, all kinds of different halachas. There's many of them. Uh, we wish everybody would keep them, but that's not necessarily the case. We're far from perfect, and it's, Torah doesn't necessarily, doesn't uh, require perfection, but the Torah does require growth and striving to become better. Um, and uh, these, the point of learning these halachas is so that we are educated um, and we know what it is the Torah requires. And if we know, we can strive for them. And that was the, that's the purpose of, of, and was the purpose of all these shurim. And another thing to remember about Sneas more than anything else is that uh, the question of Sneas in halacha, obviously, again, it's a very powerful and, a, and an intense question, but What's always so relevant about Sneez is that it's not just a very personal decision. Uh, a person decides whether they want to keep Chal Yisrael or not. That's a very personal decision. You can decide, do you want to, don't you want to. A person makes a decision about Sneez, it's a very far-reaching decision. It affects, let's, starting from the outside circle, it affects all the people that see you, how you're dressed. Um, if it's very provocative and has an effect on people, that's, that's affecting people. Uh, it affects the community. If uh, if a person dresses a certain way, they're either they're either strengthening tzniyus in their community, or they're weakening tzniyus in their community. They're making people feel proud about that they're tzanua, or they're making people feel nevi that they're tzanua. If a person, and most importantly, when a person, uh, depending on their tzniyus, is it going to be the message they're communicating to their children as well? Our children watch us, and they judge us, and they're constantly learning from us, and sometimes we're lucky and our children are firmer than us. Uh, often that's not the case. <laughs> often the case is they're, if we're lucky, they're at our level or, or, or less. And the level of tzniyas we choose is going to dis- determine what message we're sending our children. So this is different than every other area of halacha. It's, it's something which has a very, very big effect and a very big uh, message. Um, and thus it's very important to treat it with the uh, importance it has and with the chashivas that uh, that Chazal gave it. Have a, a good Shabbos and a wonderful night and a good Chaydish.